would you let me go through your mail? Would you let me look through, come over to your house and look through your mail every day just to see if I find anything interesting? If you're like most of us today, it'd be mostly bills and credit card advertisements, right? That's about all we get in the mail. In fact, sometimes an occasional birthday card or a thank you card, but when was the last time you got a really personal letter in the mail, right? Oftentimes, we don't do that now. We, we do it through email or we do it through phone calls or text messages or face-to-face or any of the hundreds of thousands of ways we communicate with each other today. When we come to the Bible, remember that what we're reading when we read, especially in the New Testament, is letters from Paul to churches. We started in Philippians a couple weeks ago in Acts chapter 16, saw the beginning of it and started last week in in the book of Philippians, right? We made it all the way through through chapter 1, verse 1 last week. And uh, this week, hope to make it a little bit farther. But remember, that's what we're reading, letters. That's what Paul was writing, a letter to the church at Philippi. He's writing them and he reminds them who they are. He starts as he always does, reminding them of who they are in Christ. Remember who he said they were? Saints, right? Did you know you would see saints when you came to church this morning? I don't see any halos out there, but, uh, but that's who we are in Christ. We are saints in Christ. They were the saints in Christ at Philippi. We are saints. If we have been washed and we have been bought and we have been forgiven by the blood of Christ and we are saints in Christ, we come together and Paul reminds us of that, of who we are, saints in Christ Jesus, those saved by Christ and in Him, and so, so are we saints too. Paul loved these people so much, and he wrote in the book of Philippians, right? Of Philippians, remember, is in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Acts, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. In the book of Philippians, chapter 1, I'm going to start, start in verse 1 and read for a bit. Once you follow along with me in your Bible, it's up, up on the screen. Paul loves these people. This is, not a, this is not a bill he's sending in the mail. It's not a credit card solicitation. It's not an advertisement telling them they want a free car or anything like that. It's a letter of love that he writes to them. And he says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and the deacons, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. He says, I thank my God and all my remembrance of you. Paul thanks God for these people. What a beautiful picture it is. In our world, we're so connected. We're so in touch. We're so wired up to everything and everyone around us. But how many people can you look at them and say, I thank God for them. I thank God for them. I'm thankful for them in my life. Even though there's probably people that you think are nice people, you don't have anything against them, right? Uh, There's people who are are good to know. know. There's people that you know you can call on if you need something, right? Uh, There's people that you might know for one thing or another, but... Like Paul says, thank God for them. Thank God for them. Paul doesn't say this lightly. He doesn't say it as a trite phrase. He means it when he says it. He thanks God for them. In every prayer he says, in all of his prayers, he thanks God for them. He, 
And you thanks God for them. How many people are you thank, thanking God for in your life? For many of us, it's really far too few of a number. It's far too few of a number. Because even though we're overflowing with virtual and real life connections, we're woefully short of deep friendships. Right? Even though we're connected as we ever are, how many, many people can you say, I know that they're my friend and I know that no matter what I tell them, they won't think any less of me. I know that I can expose my, deep, my deepest, darkest secret to them and they won't think any less of me and they won't judge me and they will still love me and care for me. For some of us, we can't even think about our family members that way, let alone people outside of our family. We're woefully short of these deep friendships, but Paul, thank God for this church and these people because through Christ, they made an impact on Paul so much that he had no choice. Who has made that impact on your life? Poor God. Even as I say that, your mind begins to go to people. Maybe you think of a mother or a father. Maybe you think of a grandmother or a grandfather who dragged you to church. Or maybe it's a friend. Or maybe it's a, a parent of a friend growing up. Or maybe it's somebody who just made sure that they cared about you. Who has made that impact on your life? Maybe you, you can look around this morning and say, there's people in this church. Maybe it's people who used to be here, but they're gone. And you can remember, well, they used to sit right there. That was their spot, right? They'd be mad if they knew somebody else was sitting there, right? Or, or this person or that person. This church at Philippi was not just people who happened to be in the same place together. This was a church. This was the body of Christ. This was the wisdom of God made manifest, Paul says. And Paul was thankful for them, just as we are here. This is the picture of what we are to be as a church to each other. This is a picture of what the church should be. Unfortunately, people can attend church together for years, for decades even, and have little or nothing to do with each other. They come in the door, and they come out the door, and they see the same people every week, but they don't know each other. They see the same people, and over time, you begin to learn about them. Maybe you see their kids at Easter or Christmas when they're here, and maybe you know when they have a birthday. Maybe you know where they work, but as far as a deep connection, there's nothing. That's a, I don't think much more makes me sad or in the church than that. Than to see people who have been together for so long and have no connection. They might know each other and they might know about each other, but that's not the picture that Paul paints here, is it? He says, I thank God for you upon every remembrance of you. Not that we happen to go to church together, but I thank God for you. I thank God for all of you, he says. He says because he loves them and he cares about them. This is not a coming in the door and passing each other. It's not two ships passing in the night. It's not two people who happen to know each other because they go to church together. This is a church. This is the people of Christ brought together and the Paul says in Ephesians, the church is the wisdom of God made manifest that people would look at it and think, what is going on there? It's the wisdom of God displayed in us, right? I thank God for all of you this morning, all of you, all of you. I thank God that you're here. I thank God that you have, you have shown me in my life how to be faithful. M many of you have. You've shown me how to be faithful in difficult circumstances. You've shown me how to love unconditionally in the way I see you love each other, in the way you have loved me, in the way you love your family members, right? I've met some of your family members. I don't know how you love them, right? I thank God for the things that you have taught me. I thank God for the example you've been to my 
wife and to my children, right? That they, that they can grow up knowing people who persevere through circumstances, who, who suffer well, who give faithfully even when much is required of them, right? Paul says, I thank God for that. You've taught me how to weigh their life storms and go through all of these things, but in order to have this relationship, there's one important thing that has to happen. We have to be open to it, right? We have to be open to this. Remember in Acts chapter 16, Paul saw these people when he founded this church here. He saw them at good and bad, rich Lydia and the poor slave girl and everyone all in between. And this is a picture, he says, of what the church should be. It's love and it's joy and it's encouraging one another as Paul is to them, right? Do you know, don't you know that this encouraged them as they heard it, right? Don't you know that as they read this letter and they read, Paul thanks God for us. That, that, that makes them feel better. Let me ask you this. Has, has, has anyone ever come up to you and said, I just really want you to know that I love you and you mean a lot to me. And you just said, uh, no thanks. Right? You just said, uh, that's not for me. Right? Uh, that's kind of weird. Right? Now if it's some, some stranger on the street, it would be kind of weird. Okay? It's some guy at a stoplight who rolls down his window and yells, he loves you, right? That would be strange. But when it's people together, when we tell each other that we love each other, it only does one thing. It builds each other up. It, it builds us up, right? It builds us up. When someone who knows you, when someone who cares about you, when someone who has seen you in good and someone who has seen you in bad, when they tell you that they love you, it means something to us. Don't you know as they read this that this encouraged them? As, as you are here this morning, I want you to be encouraged. Paul gave encouragement to them at a time when he needed it himself. He was in jail at the time. He was writing this in prison. If you're here this morning, I want to encourage you. God loves you. God cares for you. God sent His Son to die for you. And be encouraged by that as you're here. For you, God loves you. And God cares for you. And God loved you so much that He gave His Son to die for you. You need to buy, be encouraged by that. Be encouraged by the Word of God. And now that you're encouraged, I have a favor to ask of you. Right? Preachers are always asking for favors, right? I have a favor to ask of you. Share that encouragement with somebody else. Share that encouragement with somebody else. Reach out to someone. Tell them that you're glad they're here. Come to church to give encouragement, not to just receive it. Right? Not to just receive it. Right? I want you to be encouraged here, and I want you to be welcomed here and I want you to know that this is a place that you that you can be welcomed and that you are loved and that God loves you and that we love you but church you see and Paul knew this and the church at Philippi knew this and that's why Paul loved them so much church is a place for you to give and a place for you to receive right church is a place for you to give and a place for you to receive right there's no one person who can say well my spiritual gift is receiving right I just receive what people give to me, right? I just receive it on and on and on, right? You receive when you come here, no doubt. You receive the Word taught, and you receive fellowship given, and you receive love shared, and you receive encouragement in the Word and all these things, but it's also a place for you to give. If you are a Christian, if you are a child of God, this is what God commands us of. It's a place for us to give. Give, Christian. Give because God has given to you, Right? You give because of what God has done for you. Paul says in Romans, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
present your bodies as living sacrifices. He says, by the mercies of God, in view of everything that God has done for you, right? I want you to come to church and I want you to be encouraged and I want you to be loved and I want you to be cared for. And if you don't receive it anywhere else the rest of the week, when you walk through these doors, you need to feel loved here, right? This is a place of that where we can love each other. If you're white or black or yellow or you're Democrat or Republican or you're young or you're old or whatever you are, I want you to come here and to be loved and to be encouraged. And then I want to ask you a favor, to share it with others, not just people who are just like you. And not just people who think the same way you do. And not just people who are just your age or just in your bracket. Right? We fall in error on both sides of this. Some people love to give. Some people love to give. And they even love to point and say, well, look at, look at all I do. Look at everything I do for the church. That church couldn't make it without me. Right? That church couldn't make it without me. But then they will not receive fellowship. They will not receive caring. They will not receive love back. They will not open their lives up and let anyone speak into their lives, right? Still other people just come and receive without giving, right? They just come and receive without giving. I went a few weeks ago to the upper dam on Pennington and the water was flowing good. We'd had lots of rains recently and the water was flowing over it and, and I got in and the water was cold there and it was flowing well, but there are places you can go to in the river and especially when it when it stops flowing so well, when what happens? The water just kind of sits there. It gets stagnant. It gets green. Where we were that day at the dam, the water was flowing over the dam, and it was clear. It was clearish. It was as clear as Pennington gets, right? It was clear, and it was a nice day to be out there, and the water was flowing and moving, but there were sections of the river where the water doesn't flow as well. It sits there, and it gets green, and it gets stagnant, right? That's what happens to some of you who come to church. If you come and sit in church and you just come and soak up all the receive, all, all the giving, and you just receive, if you come and sit and you soak and you don't begin to serve people and you don't give to others, what's going to happen? You're going to sour, right? You're going to go bad. If you come and sit and soak and, and you don't serve, you're going to sour. That's how God intended for us to work, that we receive and that we give, that we would come to church and that Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, right? Mm-mm, that we would do it. Before you leave here today, before you leave here at the end of the service, and we'll have an invitation at the end, and we'll shake hands and do all these things, but before you leave today, look at someone and say, I thank God for you. I'm glad you're here today. I don't even know you, but I'm glad you're here, right? I'm glad you're here today. Encourage someone in the Lord. Say, you've I really like watching you interact with your children. It's, it's obvious that you love them. I see how you care for your mother or father who's aged, and you're taking care of them. I know it's difficult, and you can't make it to, to church much, but because of this or that and then these things, you're how you always give faithfully and how you always serve when and you need to turn and encourage someone. Paul is thankful for this church at Philippi, I know, because they give and because they receive. And he's thankful, he says, look at verse 5. In view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. In view of your participation in the gospel. What an amazing, what an amazing, amazing thing today. To read today. As, that, as I read that verse, each time I read it, it's just like a punch in the face over and over and over again. The good kind, right? Uh, your participation in the gospel. 
your participation in the gospel. The gospel is the good news. Literally, news that changes the way that you live, and you have a chance, Paul says, to participate with it. And the news you see is about something that has happened. When you go and you turn on the news at night, what's it about? What happened that day? And the day before, there was a fire, and there was a burglary, and this and the business opened up, and this happened, and that happened, and all of these things go down, right? And the news is about something that has happened. Advice is something you receive on what's going to happen. I need advice on how to make this decision on what to do here, on, on what to wear, or how to do these things, right? The news is something you receive on what's been done. That's what the, the good news is. The gospel is the news, something that has been done and has been accomplished. It's not advice. It's not wisdom. It's the news, something that has been done, and now it changes how we live. He says, in view of your participation in the gospel, I looked up a lot of different translations of this. Some of them say, what you have, contrib- what you have contributed to the gospel. Your sympathetic cooperation, contributions, and partnership. Your cooperation in the good news. How we have worked together for the gospel. I like that one. Paul says, how we have worked together for the gospel. We partner together for the gospel in two ways. We partner with Christ because He has changed my life with the cross of Christ. And so I gladly go and I tell others what He has done for me and and how He has done and how can we not tell what He has done. Right? This is an amazing thing. It should... What God has done for you should excite you and it should overwhelm you and it should shock you that the King of the world, that the Holy of Holies, that He desires to, that He plans to even, to partner with us in spreading the gospel, right? I'm not a real excitable person, right? There's not a lot that gets me real excited, right? Uh, uh, That's just the, the way I am. God made me. I keep my emotions to myself. But this verse here, what Paul says... Right? What Paul says in view of your participation in the gospel, somebody told me a couple weeks ago, Luke, that was a good sermon. I thought you were going to yell at us for a minute. You were really getting after it. And I told Sarah, I said, I yell, don't I? She said, No. She said, Not really. She said, You get you raise your voice sometimes. You know, but this, what Paul says, your participation in the gospel, you're us partnering together in the good news that we're coming together and we're doing this. He says, I thank God upon every remembrance of you because of your participation in the gospel. You're sharing together in the good news. We partner together with Christ and that we get to share what He He has done for us and how He has changed His life and that this is not an accident and it's not plan B, but that this is God's plan all along for you and for me to go out and to tell others. If this wasn't God's plan, then the moment we got saved, we'd be sucked up to heaven, right? We'd be gone the moment we get saved. Why does He leave us here? Why does He leave us here to go through all these things? Because it's our job, it's our duty, it's our privilege to go and to tell others. And not only do we partner with God, we partner with each other. We teach and we share and we give. We partner together and we share the gospel. And when I say preach the gospel, and when Paul uses it here, he doesn't just mean standing behind a pulpit. He doesn't just mean standing up in a sermon. He means getting out in the world. He means interacting with people. He means taking the gospel to people in their everyday life. He means giving them good news and not good advice, right? And everyone can and everyone should do that. We partner together as a church in the gospel. In the church, let me ask you, whose responsibility is evangelism? 
Is is it our missions committee? Or is it just the pastor or just the teachers? It's all of us, right? It's all of us. It's all of us. It's our duty. It's our privilege to share Christ. We often mistake the role of the church for our role in the church, right? We think that the role of the church is to do these types of things when really it's not. It's our role in the church to do that. Your role as a Christian, as a child of God, is to come to church and to, and to participate and to give in these things, not just to come and receive. We think that I go to church to be encouraged. That's true, but you also come to church to give encouragement. I come to church to hear the gospel. That's true, but it's also your role to go out and share the gospel. We often confuse the role of the church with our role in the church, right? Paul is thankful for these people because they partnered with him to share the gospel. Through financial gifts to him, they partnered with Paul and he spread the gospel all over Europe and and all over the Middle East, right? Your gifts that you give to this church are not so you can sit in comfy pews, right? It's not so you can reserve a spot, right? This building exists to serve the community, right? The church is one of the few organizations, the only organization in the world that does not exist for itself, right? This church is not for you. It's for our community. It's for across the street and across the world. And this building exists for that, to give a place where the gospel is shared and taught, to give a place from here to take it all over the world, right? Your gift supports me, right? as a pastor, to give me time to study and to pray and to go in the community and and to witness and and to go all around us and to do these things, right? It gives you a place that you know where you can come with your friends and your family. You know that they can hear the gospel when they come here on Sunday morning. You allow your gifts, allow Micah to go into schools and to share the gospel, to take students to camp, to to see baptisms. And every baptism we have and every salvation you have a part of, right? But that little part you have should not be enough, Paul says, that you need to participate in the gospel in more ways, even directly, right? This is partnering the gospel, but it's not done only with a dollar, right? It's done with your hands, your feet, and your mind, right? Our nominating committee has been meeting together, selecting new people, right, to serve on committees to help serve the church, not just for our own benefit, right, but to partner in the gospel, right? To do these things, there are normally two types of people. They say, well, I'll give you all the money that you want, but don't ask me to come and serve because I can't do that, right? Or they'll say, I'll give you all the time that you need, but don't ask me to give any money because I'm not giving it, right? Those are two extremes, and most of us fall somewhere in the middle. middle. But Paul says, look, there's not a part of your life that the gospel does not touch. Your wallet, your watch and everything in between, your head and your heart and your hands. It's everything all in there that we partner together with the gospel. See, Paul is writing this letter to encourage the church and fill all upon. And through it, he reminds them and he reminds us, this is what a church is. This is what a church is. It's, it's people partnering together to grow the kingdom of God. So if you're here as a church member for anything else, if you're here for any other reason than to grow the kingdom of God, you're wrong. If you're a visitor here, that's great. I want you to be here and I want you to be encouraged and we're glad you're here. And if you're a church member, I want you to be here and I want you to be encouraged. But the purpose that we gather together is to grow the kingdom of God. Every day there are changes for you. 
for you to partner, to cooperate, to work together in the gospel. Opportunities given to us by God. And we just often just slam the door and say no. Right? We often just slam the door and say no. I was in my garage the other day and I saw somebody walking up and down the street. My street, they were knocking on doors and they were, uh, and they were talking to people and some conversations ended quickly. I was watching and I knew they would come to mind. So I quickly closed my garage door and went inside and closed the doors because I didn't want to talk to them, right? I didn't know what they were selling or what they were doing. Often it's some religion or church or something like that. And God began to convict me. Here's somebody who knocks on your door wanting to talk about the church, right? Who knocks on your door wanting to talk about God. And what do we do? We slam the door because we don't want to do it, right? It turns out they were just selling Drake TV, right? But I talked to them anyways, right? Right? God knocks on the door of our heart. Christ knocks on the door of our heart and we let him in. The problem is many of us never let him out, right? We let Christ into our hearts. If you've let Christ in your heart, then let him out. Then let him out through loving people and through proclaiming the gospel and through sharing. We get to partner together in the greatest story ever told, right? In all of the stories and all of the world that people invent and make up, you cannot make up something like this. You cannot invent something like this. That the God of the universe loved the world so much that He gave His Son, His only Son, His only begotten Son, to die for us. That anyone who would believe in Him, all they have to do is believe in Him, that they would be saved. There's no hoops to jump through and there's no tricks to do and there's no dotted line to sign. Just believe. Just believe in Him. We get to partner together in the greatest story ever told to participate and to share, to cooperate in the good news. Don't turn your back on this, church. This is what we're supposed to do. Don't forget what Christ has done for us. And what a glorious thing He has done. Often, we don't share because we forget. We think the church is for ourselves. We think that we come to church because we can get... We come to church because we can feel better about ourselves there. You come to church because where else can you get somebody to watch your kids for a couple hours for free, Right? It's crossed my mind for sure, right? We come to church because because we feel like we should, because we feel bad when we sit at home and do these things. But Paul says this is what a church is, partnering together in the gospel. Oftentimes, we don't share what Christ has done because we forgot, but because it seems like old hat to us, because it seems like just another story. We're surrounded by connections. We're inundated by stories every day on the news and everywhere. And when the gospel becomes just another story, why would you share it? But think about what He has done. Do you know what He has done? You know the difference that He has made in your life. When you begin to think on the gospel of Christ, when you begin to dwell on it, when, when you begin to meditate on it, it gets in your heart and your mind, you cannot help but share it. In every conversation, it comes out because the cross of Christ has done such an amazing thing in your life, but because the blood of Christ is an amazing thing, and the story of what God has done just inundates everything that you do. There's the, the old song, and it says, There is a fountain filled with blood. You know it. Drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And guilty sinners plunge beneath, lose all their guilty stains. 
I challenge you to sing now without crying. I challenge you to sing now without being moved by the gospel about what God has done for us, that there is a fountain that is filled with blood and that everyone, all of us who are plunged beneath it, we lose all of our guilty stains. That the dying thief upon the cross, and even though I as vile as he, the song says, even when I'm plunged beneath, I lose all of my guilty stains. All of it is taken away. That indelible stain of sin that we feel like will mark us forever. We don't participate in the gospel because the gospel means nothing to us. So open up your Bible and read it. And see what God has done for you. See what God has done for you. And tell others this. Pray for God to give you a chance. I know that He will. I know that He will. If you pray God, pray for God to give you a chance, you'll be run over with people who need to hear the gospel. Right? Pray when you wake up in the morning, God, how can I participate in the gospel today? Show kindness and love and compassion to others. Question this morning, Christian, are you giving or receiving? Are you giving or receiving? Paul shows us the the beauty of both within the life of Christ because Paul himself is one who poured himself out. He gave of himself literally. He's in bonds, in jail as he writes this. He's, he's bound, probably chained on both hands to Roman's guard, and, and he is giving to him, and as they gave back to him, he received it with joy. What a picture of the gospel. A question for us is, who do, who do we need to give to? Well, maybe you need to work on your receiving, and all of us, I think, need to work on our giving, that we can participate in the gospel. In, in January 2013, I gave out some prayer cards that look like this. It has a family member that you can write down who does not know Christ, that you can pray for them, a friend, a co-worker, somebody that you can write down who does not know Christ, that you who can pray for them, a ministry in the church, right? It says select a ministry at the church and pray for God to use you to grow it, right? To make a difference in it. We hand into these out. I can look in this room and see people who are Christians today because I know their names are written down on these cards. There are people here this morning who have been baptized in our church and I saw their name written down on this card. I knew one person who had both names of people got saved because they thought about it. Because it was in front of them, right? Oftentimes, we forget to participate in the gospel because we're so busy living the rest of our lives. We have children, we have jobs, and we have things, and we have animals that need to be fed, and bills that need to be paid, and all of these things to do, we have to stop. And remember, just sometimes, because we forget as foolish and as crazy as it is, there is a fountain filled with blood. And every sinner plunged beneath lose all their guilty stains. We'll have a time of invitation here in just a minute, a time of response. All of these are the front. The first way that you can participate in the gospel is through prayer, through sharing these good news. If you want to come and get one of these during the invitation time, they'll be up here at the front. You can write someone's name down, right? We participate in the gospel. The way our church grows is not through me. It's through us. Understand that? It's through all of us that you can write someone's name down, that you can pray for them, that they would be saved, that you that God would give you a chance to to share with them. The, the, the reason I put a family member and the reason I put in a, a friend is because these are people that you interact with. These are somebody that 
God will give you a chance and when you pray for them every day, stick it up on your mirror, stick it in your car, stick it on your refrigerator, stick it somewhere where you will see it and remember and pray for these people every day that we can participate in the gospel. We're going to sing a song of invitation. I'm going to change it to there is a fountain. Wherever it is, I think I have that power. Y'all can find find that as you begin to come up. But uh, that we have this time of invitation, and it's it's a time time for us to respond to what God has done in our hearts, to what God has done in our hearts that He has changed us to remember that power of the gospel that there is a fountain filled with blood, right? That God loves the loves us so much He gave His only begotten Son that. In the, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, but the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. I thank my God in all my remembrances. You always offer in prayer with joy in every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the Gospel from the first day until now. I want you to pray with me. Oh God, I, I pray God. Oh Father, I pray that Your name would be great, Father. I pray that we will not forget the work that you have done for us, God. I pray that, Lord, I just thank you, Father, that you give us a chance to participate in the gospel. Lord, to come together, not just to receive, Lord, but, but to give, give, Lord, of what you have given to us, Father. So we do that this morning, God. I pray as, as we come together, God, that... Uh, we will be reminded, Father, of what you have done for us. Lord, I pray that you would use these few simple words and use them to move on the hearts and minds of people. We love you, Father God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.